tonight is our responsibility of thanksgiving. Now, our text for, the, for this weekend is going to come from where you get your key verse for this weekend. And it's 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And we're going to start tonight with verses 8 through 11. And then we'll, we'll continue on after that uh, with some other verses in the next uh, two days. But our text this weekend is actually a psalm that's found in the book of 1 Chronicles. But it's a psalm that we believe was written by David, King David. And uh, it's one that they sung as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It had been uh, in another place. It was actually with Obed-Edom in his home uh, for a time because they tried to bring it to Jerusalem once earlier, but they did it in their own power. They did not seek God's desired direction for bringing it back at that time. So God punished them, and it was there. And so now they were bringing it back. And so David had written this uh, at that time for that celebration and it was it was a time of victory it was a a time to celebrate it was a a time of thanksgiving to God for his protection and for his ark now coming to rest to its in its rightful home in Jerusalem now folks there's no part of scripture that we cannot learn from there's no part and, and no matter how many times we study it there's no part of scripture that we cannot continue to learn from and to gain some application for our own lives. One of the things I like to say is that if it's found in Scripture, one of the things that I've learned is if it's in Scripture, it's not there for a history lesson. If it's in Scripture, it's not there just to fill space. If it's in Scripture, it's there because I need to learn something from it that I can use and put to use in my life that God wants me to use in my life. And so there's no part of Scripture that we cannot learn from and to gain some application from it for our own lives as we live for Christ. So as I looked at this, when Duane gave me the key, pass, key verse passage, I started looking at this entire psalm as I prayed about it, looked at a couple other passages and prayed about those, and, and I just felt this was the one. What is it that, what instruction does God have for us through this passage tonight and then as we progress on through the weekend? What is this passage have for us of victory and of celebration. This is a weekend of celebration. Celebration for giving thanks for what God has done. So if, would you stand with me? I'll just And I won't leave you standing. I will tell you when you sit down here. Just come in. But I want to read these verses 8 through 11 tonight. And then we'll, we'll proceed. It says, Give thanks to Yahweh. Call on His name. Proclaim His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell about all His wonderful works. Honor His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Search for the Lord and for His strength. Seek His face always. Father God, we come to you this evening as we look at this, your word. Your Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so we pray that we would be open in heart and mind to hear from your Holy Spirit. That we may be fed in spirit. Lord, we would be fed that we can gain from this and we can rejoice in you and what you're doing in our lives and in the life of this church and that we can proclaim it as we walk out of here tonight and prepare for the weekend ahead. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for each one of us. He didn't have to, but we're grateful that he did. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. So what's our first instruction here that I see out of this? The first instruction I see is proclaim. 
Number one, proclaim. Our first verse in this passage tells us to give thanks to Yahweh. Call on His name. And what's it say? Proclaim His deeds among the peoples. Now this verse begins, like I said, a song or a poem for the nation of Israel. And we'll be looking at different parts of this poem throughout the weekend. And, and it, it begins with two words that are our theme for the weekend. Give thanks. We're a blessed people. We're a blessed, we're a blessed nation. Even though the nation is not where it should be with God, in my opinion, we're a blessed nation. And each one of us have been blessed greatly. And so we are to give thanks. As believers, we are to give thanks to our God, the only one who is the only living God, the only one who is deserving of our thanks. At least we understand that as Christians with our minds. And we practice it, though our practice is oftentimes only superficial. That, we may not understand it. We may not believe that, that to be true. But our actions and our words of thanksgiving to God often become routine. They often become ritual actions. We do it because this is, where we, this is what we do next. This is what we're supposed to do. Even in, in church... And I, I, I like to use an illustration a lot of times that even in church, our prayers, our prayers are routine in our prayer life at home and personal, but even in church. Now, I get to travel around. I'm, I'm a church health consultant, church health coach. And so I get to travel around work with different churches. And I can go to just about any Southern Baptist church. There's like 47 or 48,000 of them. And I can go to any one of them on any given Sunday, and I'm probably going to hear the same prayers. Now, we don't do liturgy. We don't repeat the same prayers. But I can go into church, and I know when the offering comes, somebody's going to stand up and pray, bless the gift and the giver, right? And at the end of the service, somebody's going to pray, put a hedge of protection around us, keep us until we come back again. You see, we, we have really become experts at praying from here. God wants us to pray from here. And too often, our prayer, even our prayers, our intimate, intimate talking with God becomes routine. Think about your prayers at home. Think about when you pray for meals, when you go to bed at night, when you get up. I'm guilty of it, too. My prayers can become routine, and I have to, I have to make, make myself to, hey, I'm talking to God. And it doesn't need to be the same thing, the same words that I spoke to Him yesterday. And so our actions and our words of thanksgiving often become routine, and that makes them superficial. We're not reaching deep into our hearts, our souls for this. Now this also happened to the Israelites and they had attempted, as I mentioned to bring the Ark, uh, the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, but they attempted it in their own power and they faced God's wrath because of it. Now I want you to pay attention to that. They attempted it in their own power and they faced God's wrath because of it. Isn't that what we do as Christians and as churches today? I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for years. I'm in church all the time. I know what pleases God. So what I want to do, the way I want to do it, must be God's way, right? And so a lot of times we'll hear from God. We know what God wants us to do, but we want to jump and do it the way we want to do it because we're comfortable with doing that, and we don't allow God to stretch us. Folks, no growth ever takes place in the comfort zone. God stretches us to grow us, and that's where he wants us to be stretched so that we learn and we grow because of him. This time, the Israelites went seeking God's direction before because it had brought death the last time they attempted to bring it and they did not do it according to God's will and what God wanted. 
But this time, they were, went seeking God's direction, and thanksgiving was inevitable. When we do things God's way, you know this, when we do things God's way, we do it in His power, we wait on Him, we will be blessed, and thanksgiving just should flow out of us because of it. Our thanksgiving should be an overflowing, outpouring of deep emotional acknowledgement and recognition to God. You need to hear that again? Our thanksgiving should be an overwhelming, outpouring, and deep emotional acknowledgement and recognition of God. This is the God who is the giver of all life. He is the giver of everything good that you have. Everything good in your life comes from God. He is the giver of all good. How much of your thanksgiving is more from your head than your heart? As we enter this, this weekend and even in this month, of we call, a lot of times we refer to it as a month of thanksgiving. How much of your thanksgiving is more from your head than your heart? And not only in, norm, in November, but what about your normal prayer life? Is it often routine? Has it become routine? What I want to focus on in these verses is, is how we are to give thanks according to the scripture that we're reading here. In this verse, it declares that we are to call on his name and proclaim. That's what it says. Now, what does proclaim mean? Well, to proclaim is to announce. It's to verbally make it known. It is to declare it or to decree some great thing or some great person or being. It is more than just making a statement. It's more than just casual conversation. It's to proclaim it. It's to make it known. It outweighs the routine by far. When those of you who are parents, when you had your first baby, or grandparents, when you had your first grandbaby, I would surmise that you probably proclaimed that birth and that child. That's what we're to do. We're to proclaim who God is. To proclaim brings to my mind the phrase to shout it from the rooftops. To just let it be known as far as I can, as much as I can, as loud as I can times. But what are we to proclaim? What does this verse tell us? What are we to proclaim? We're to proclaim, proclaim the great deeds that God is doing among the people of God. It is to loudly and boldly share with others the great things that God has done and is doing in our lives. Proclaim what God is doing at Red House Baptist Church. Proclaim it. I encourage you tonight to, to go home and to proclaim it. Put it on social media if you're on social media. You know, we spend all kinds of time on social media, a lot of us, but do we really proclaim who God is? Do we let Him know what's going on in church? And one of the things I thought about, I didn't do it, but we may do it in one service yet, is that when I first get up, or we may even have Bo, to just have you take out your phone and take a picture of something going on in here. You don't want to take a picture of me or Bo. You may, you may want, want a picture of us, I don't know, but you don't have to. But take a picture and just post it on social media. Say, you're missing it. You need to be here. And let people know. Proclaim what God is doing. You and I are to proclaim and to make known what God has done in our lives. What He is doing in our lives. What He's doing currently in our lives. In the lives of our loved ones. And through the lives of this church family. 
You see, this is how we introduce people to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. By proclaiming it. I get to share quite a bit with church health consultations and coaching and working with churches about this thing that's called social gospel. You heard that term, social gospel? It's doing things in community that, that you go out and do things and, and it's like handing out bottles of water. But what I tell people is you can go out and hand out 500 bottles of water and never open your mouth about Jesus Christ. It's all social in many cases and no gospel. And we need to get back to sharing the gospel to proclaim what God is doing. In fact, one, one church that I was working with and doing a year-long process with them, this was in another state, uh, several years ago, and then the pastor come and said, you know what I realized after, and he was reading a certain chapter in one of the books that I've written, and he said, he said, what I realized in reading this chapter this, this month is that we set up at, and he named their community festival, I don't remember what it was, you know, like a strawberry festival or a ham festival or one of those. He said, we set up at our festival every year, and we do a lot of good things. He said, but I've realized after reading this chapter, there's not one thing that we do at our community festival that an atheist could not set up right next to us and do the same thing our churches are that way we've become more social and we forgot the gospel see Jesus said give a cup of cold water in my name but he didn't say said Jesus name he said Jesus loves you man this water is because he is the living water we got to proclaim we got to share who Jesus is and what God is doing in the lives of his people it's how we introduce people keeping quiet about the greatest news on earth is such a terrible disgrace to God and to his kingdom for the cause of Christ. In fact, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 said, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. You see, folks, every good and great thing that God has done for you in your life is a light that he has lit for you. He has lit for you in your life. Are you shining that light for others to see and to understand, to see their way to Christ? Or are you hiding your light under a basket? Now hear me, you're not to brag or to boast. That's not what it's talking about. You, you brag and boast on God, but not about what you're Look at how good I am. Look at what's gone through me. No, we're to be humble realize that even who I am God is shining this light what are you doing personally what are you doing to give thanks to God verbally what are you doing to give thanks to God through verbal proclaiming his great deeds and proclaiming that to others inside and outside the church you know what's important to proclaim inside and outside the church I'm talking about both, and we need to learn to do both. Because giving thanks through proclamation inside the church encourages one another. It encourages other believers to then want to step up and do likewise. That's why we have people giving their testimonies. Thank you again. So that you can encourage others. I was encouraged as was being shared tonight. And then giving thanks to God through proclamation or proclaiming outside the church gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to convince and convict that person or those persons of their need for a relationship with God. 
You can't convince them. You can't convict them. You can just share your story. Ours is to be obedient. It's to share. It's to proclaim. And once we proclaim, it's the Holy Spirit's duty. Then His job is to convince and to convict. God has lit many lamps of grace and mercy in your life. Can others see the light that God has blessed you with? Are they seeing it as you walk down the street? Are they seeing it as, as you, at work? Are you, they seeing it as your neighbors when you're at home or in the doctor's office or in the grocery store or in traffic? Are they seeing that light that God has blessed you with? Can they hear you proclaiming the good news of Christ and what he's doing? The next verse says, it's still in the same thing here uh, under the number one proclaim. The next verse says to sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell about all his wonderful works. You notice it does not say tell of a few or just tell of this one thing that he's done. It says all his works. Sing of all his wonderful works. Notice it also does not say tell of, it says tell about there's a difference when we tell of we share the topic of what we have witnessed but when we tell about we're sharing the details of what we have witnessed watch the, well I I don't encourage you I really shouldn't have said it that way I don't want to say it that way because I don't watch the news but if you ever watch the news, a reporter will ask an, an eyewitness to share about the, the experience they had. They don't say, share of. They say, tell us about. Share about. There's a difference there. It's not about of. Where we, oh, this is the topic here. It's this, this is what happened. This is what I witnessed. This is what I saw. This is what I experienced. And we are to be about and to share about. It's always to share about what we witness. I pray that tonight we'll commit to move from the of to sharing the about. About Jesus Christ. About God's great deeds and His wonderful works in the lives of uh, uh, your personal lives and the life, life of this church and what God is doing in this church. So proclaim. That's our first lesson, our first instruction from this is to proclaim, to shout, to sing loudly. To make known of who God is and what He has done for us. Now, our second instruction here I see is honor. Verse 10 says, To honor His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Honor is showing high esteem, it's showing respect, it's showing recognition for another one. We do not honor those that we despise, right? Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to honor somebody you despise? You can't. We do not honor those that we despise. We do not honor the mediocre. We only honor those whom we perceive have demonstrated a high merit of service. We honor those who have excelled beyond expectations. We honor those who through their actions have exhibited well above average behaviors and deeds. So another question that needs to be answered tonight is how are we to honor God? We talk about how to proclaim. How are we to honor God? Well, we honor God through every action, through fulfilling our first point. Proclaim. We honor God by proclaiming. Proclaim Him and His glory. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now dictionaries and even Bible commentaries define the word glorify as to bestow high esteem and respect or reverence. To bestow high esteem, respect, or reverence. The word translated glorify is also translated in the Bible as to give honor. We glorify or we honor God when we exalt His attributes and His actions. We, we exalt His holiness, His perfect character, His magnificence, His wisdom, and His omnipotence. We are to exalt or to make known His attributes and His actions in everything we do. Even in the tough times, God is still blessing us. Even in our eating, even in our drinking, not alcoholic beverages, but in, in our eating and in our drinking. In other words, in everything we do, as stated in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you do on this earth is to be showing how you're serving God. It's a demonstration of how you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you do, even when you're behind closed doors, absolutely everything you do is to be done as if you were right in front of God, working it out, doing it in front of Him, for Him. Verse 24 says that it tells us why. We do it as unto the Lord because we know that our eternal inheritance comes from the Lord. Right? Do you know that? Do you realize that? Do you understand that you're an eternal inheritance? I mean, that, that's a given, right? So why don't our faces act like we know it? We, everything that we do is to be done in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God the Father. God is the only one who deserves that. God is the only one. He's the only holy one. The only one worthy of our highest honor. Therefore, number one, we proclaim the Lord. Number two, we honor Him with the highest honor that we can give. Not only in here, when we meet together on Sunday mornings or other times, not only in here, we are to give Him that honor and, and to proclaim Him through our actions all week long. No matter where we find ourselves, and no matter what type of situation we find ourselves in. We proclaim the Lord. We honor Him in everything we do. And then thirdly, our third instruction here I see is to search. Verse 11 from our passage says, 1 Chronicles 16 verse 11 says, Search for the Lord and for His strength. Seek His face always. Now what does it mean to search for the Lord? Is He hiding from us? We're Christians. We're churchgoers, Right? We have each been reading and studying the Bible for decades. We understand. Do we? You see, folks, you can know about something and not know about something. You can know about a particular restaurant, and, and I've seen several on social media here in, in the Lexington area recently, and I'm thinking, man, that's a good, that looks like a good place. And then I see it the second time, I go, i got to check that place out. But I can know about that restaurant and never know what that restaurant is or what it truly is until I search it out and I go there and order off their menu. You can know about a restaurant and never have it eaten there. But if, you, if you've never searched it out 
and gone to that restaurant, visited that restaurant, and ate at that restaurant, you do not have firsthand knowledge. You may know about a famous city, a great city that you want to visit, but without ever visiting that city, you'll never know it. Firsthand, you never experience it. You must search it out. You must make plans to spend time in that city to truly know and to experience what that city is all about. And likewise, you can know about God without ever searching Him out. You can come to Sunday school for decades and worship services for years and years and years. You can come and know about God without ever searching Him out, without ever experiencing the Lord personally. And I've said, and I probably shared it when I was here nine years ago, that I believe that, that at least 80 to 90% of, of Christian, adult Christians have never truly experienced who God is. To Christians, churchgoers. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 is a familiar verse to many of us. Yet to capture its true meaning, you must read on. You must read verses 12 through 14 as well, or at least 12 through 13. But let me read it, 12, uh, uh, 11 through 14. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare or for your good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place I deported you from. Yes, it's true. God knows. God knows and he has known since before you were born. He knows the plans for your welfare. He knows what his plans for you are. He knows the plans for your good welfare, not, not for harm. He knows what he wants for you. He knows your potential. He knows all these things about you. However, for you to know that good welfare, you must seek him out. You must search for him. You must search for him with all of your heart, this scripture tells us. When you search, when you seek me, when you search for me with all your heart. With our head knowledge, we can say, yes, I get that. I understand that. I know that. I've been attending Sunday school. Maybe I've been teaching Sunday school for decades. But yet I want to say that even though we think we can, not one of us can. Yes, I think I, I can understand who God is. I understand. You can't. I can't. We can't. Our heart is deceitful. Our heart is part of the flesh. Now, we're to live in the Spirit, but we live in a fleshly body. And without yielding every corner of our heart and of our soul and our body, the power of the Holy Spirit, our mind will lead us astray. Our mind, we want, that, we want the power of the Holy Spirit. But without turning over every corner of our heart and our body and our soul, our heart will always deceive us. We can even satisfy ourselves into thinking that we are committed to God. I do this, I do that, I serve on these committees at church, and, and I do this at church, I'm there when the doors are open, I even, I've even done this before. We can satisfy our own intellect, we can satisfy ourselves into thinking that we're committed to God. Yet we often act in our own power. 
the power of the Holy Spirit is what God wants us to act in. And we try, we attempt to do that, but do we truly, do we turn everything over to God to do that? Even trying to satisfy ourselves, we fall short. But because we have good intentions, we satisfy ourselves in saying, it's the Holy Spirit. Why else would I be doing it? That could oftentimes is the deceiving of the heart. I mean, think on this question as we get ready to close this message out. When was the last time that you fell to your knees pleading for the power of the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you fell to your knees pleading for that power, the power of the Holy Spirit? Praying for a power that's so strong that you would not even be able to stand on your own power. Seeking and searching for the great glory of God. Tonight, that's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask all of you who will to join me at the altar. I want to ask all of you who will just a minute to join me at the altar. I want us to pray for that type of power, that powerful to seek, that power to seek and to search for God like we have never searched before. Folks, God has blessed each one of us here, and he's, but He's blessed us tremendously. And He's blessed this church body tremendously too. to pray for a power if you would, if you will join me to do this and, and, and I'm not forcing anybody to do it I'm just going to ask you, if you would join me that you will, will join me in this type of prayer would you just get up and come forward right now let's come to kneel around the altar you can sit on one of the front pews if you want but I want us to pray for a power so strong that we know it's only from God God has blessed us and I want us to pray for a power so strong that we cannot help but proclaim to honor and to search for God's power that is true revival of our body, of our mind, and of our soul. The title of this message is Our Responsibility for Thanksgiving, but truly it should be not our responsibility, it should be our unstoppable, compelling joy to do these things, to praise, to honor, and to search for God. Father God, as we come forward tonight, as we're here around this altar, I just pray... Father, for what I was just sharing, what you laid on my heart to share, that, that, that we would pray tonight for a power from your Holy Spirit that's so strong, we've never experienced anything like it before. And, and pray for a power for this weekend of your Holy Spirit to just be such a shining light here that when we leave here, people want to know what the glow is that's coming from this end of town. Father, I want, to, want us to pray tonight First, asking for forgiveness for where we've fallen short, where we have been satisfied with our own thoughts that what I'm doing, I'm doing it for God. But we've not always sought you out. Father, I want us to pray for a moving from you tonight 
and this weekend that leaves us wobbly need. A moving so strong from your Holy Spirit that we thirst like we've never thirsted for your word. We thirst for being able to be blessed by you, by you enlarging our territory and giving us more and more opportunities. That we thirst for and hunger for sharing your word, for sharing your love, for sharing your justice, for sharing who you are, for sharing your mercy and your grace, what you've done in our own lives and the lives of others, of our families and of this church. Hear our prayer as we kneel here and pray. If you're beside someone, just touch that person and just pray for that person. You may not even know who it is. Just reach your hand out and touch someone and pray for that person. That God would pour out on that person a powerful, Holy Spirit leading weekend that would not quickly fade away. You can return to your seat. Poe's going to lead us in another song. You can come. You can stay here. You can talk with Dwayne. He's going to be down front. I'll be down here. If someone here does not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please come and talk to Dwayne. Talk to me. One of us help you understand that. You respond right now as God calls you and leads you.